0: what's up familia i am the uncanny dayspring
1: and i'm your golden retriever from across the pond (laughs) lad. that's a great intro bro i think it's pretty accurate isn't it
0: you are a golden retriever i was thinking about it today on my jog i was like sean is like so protective and loyal and i'm just so happy to have you in my life
1: oh what a nice intro
0: we could just end the episode here (laughs) but you're really just a bitch yeah (laughs) oh gosh yeah i was thinking like the other day i was like man there hasn't been that much news with with marvel ever since the marvel's kind of you know was the box office flop that it was and you know we went on break because of the holiday and then today i was like kind of combing through some of like the the stories out there i'm like oh actually you know what there is a a decent amount of stories out there that I wanted to kind of talk about. And I thought we could get together in kiki.
1: Absolutely. Well, I guess, you know, after the Marvels and the box office, I guess not reaching what they wanted. Mm. You could imagine that they want to lay low, right? And kind of, I guess, get their house in order.
0: I love how you said that because I believe there is an art to publicity that a lot of people aren't really aware of. And I think when you work in larger media corporations, you see a lot of how publicity works. And I agree with you. I think Marvel was probably like, "Mm, we're going to be a little quiet right now. Yeah. And one of these headlines is about keep, no, I don't want to say keeping their house in order, but tackling the future of the MCU because we have Tatiana Maslany who doubts we will get a second season of She-Hulk. And we'll we'll get into it, but I just want to say one of the things that has irked me in today's world especially since we are on the receiving end of having to cover a lot of this news that gets put out there, is that people take a morsel of something and run with it, or sometimes just make make up news, or just say, oh, we could be getting a season two of She-Hulk, because us getting a season two of She-Hulk was like a big news item over the summer, and everyone was talking about, oh, we're going to get a She-Hulk season two. Rumor in development, and it's not.
1: Is this confirming that it 100% won't? Have a season two, or is just her her speculating based on, I guess, fan um, reaction to season one?
0: Well, why don't we talk about it? Let's dive we, in.
1: Why, yeah, read it.
0: Let's read it. Let's see what she said, and we can talk about it and where we could possibly see her next. And I got feel- as you know, we started becoming friends when She Hulk was airing, and I had massive feels about She Hulk, which everyone knows. So I'm excited to talk about this. With yeah, you.
1: I think we 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 have quite opposite opinions on She Hulk, so it'll be a good one for us to battle it out on today's episode.
0: Tatiana Mislani doubts She-Hulk will get a second season by Michael Walsh. This is coming off of Yahoo Entertainment via The Nerdist. And the article goes, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law's first season, didn't end on a cliffhanger. While the season finale made another installment possible, it also wrapped up its story in a satisfying way. Can we just pause there? (laughs) I don't, I don't, you know me so well I was like okay you're like can we just pause <laughs> can I just be mean for a
1: second um, so I already it did end on a cliffhanger because it ended with I mean spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert it ended with Scar Hulk's son just yeah. popping up being like hey I'm here and then it ends so like I would consider that a bit of a cliffhanger
0: I agree. I forgot about Scar, to be honest with you. I forgot that... I've never forgotten about Scar because I love World War Hulk and I love the, the Greg Pak story, but I forgot that he was at the end of She-Hulk Season 1. There's too much in, in the Marvel Universe right now, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Can't keep up with it. Sounds like it's a good thing it did, too. Star Tatiana Maslany doesn't expect her series to get a second season at Disney+. Plus. It has nothing to do with viewership or fan reaction, though. She says the critically acclaimed show probably won't be back for the simplest, oldest, and most basic reason in television history, money.
1: So that, you know, talking about how do you manage PR, that is some good spin, because one thing is linked to the other. She goes, oh, it's about money. Yeah, cost a lot to make her show, to do the the CGI for her. But if it had a better fan reception and a fan reaction, and it generated more capital for Marvel there would have been a second one so i don't think they're not intrinsically linked
0: yeah and i want to say it says critically acclaimed show i don't remember it being critically acclaimed i remember there was a lot of fan support for it of course but you know i mean i think she-hulk was pretty contentious um viewership Though I will say, I was, it's like mid ranking for the Disney Plus shows. It's definitely not in the lower end like Miss Marvel or What If. It's actually sort of in the middle. So, you know, I don't think it did bad in terms of viewership, but she does say money. So it's not coming back because of money or she speculates. She recently made a live stream appearance, which we first learned about on Deadline on the Twitch series Codenames Live, The New Class. I mean, I've never heard of this Twitch channel no i mean i'm gonna go check them out now um during the show she answered a question about a possible season two renewal for she-hulk i don't think so she said i think we blew our budget and disney was like no thanks okay so kind of like with what you were saying about is this her speculating or what's actually concrete fact this sounds like a concrete no to me and she's just sort of conversation saying that because as we know, stars have gotten in trouble for putting Disney on blast and if there was a more so of a possibility it was coming back for season two, I don't think she would be like, Disney was like, no thanks.
1: Yeah, but even, even if season two is not coming, I guess you wouldn't want to burn your bridge because I think the like a good strategy that Marvel has or I speculate they have is you can have characters like this get one season one series we get to know the character we get to know the actor actress that's portraying them you know fall in love with the character and then they don't always need an ongoing series because you've now introduced them into the wider cinematic universe so you know she-hulk doesn't need a season two she might appear in something else so you don't you know for me i wouldn't if i was in marvel and they cast me as a superhero i definitely wouldn't burn my bridges if my show got cancelled
0: so I agree with you because we have a little movie coming out is the next year or the following year, which is captain America Four new world order. And it's supposed to be a Hulk heavy movie. And I would love to see Tatiana in that. And I wonder, is, is she not going to be in it? Because again, if she was going to be in that movie and she's not confirmed to be in that movie, but we know that they recast it, you know, um, some of the Hulks, um, uh, General Ross. I was like, I was trying to remember his name, General Ross. And we know Liv Tyler's returning as as Betty Ross. So I would love to see Tatiana there, presumably with Mark Ruffalo. I'd like to see a Hulk heavy like movie. You know, I would like to see Captain America take on the Hulks. That would be that to me is like Chef's kiss, perfect. But when she's here, like I don't think so. I think we blew our budget. Disney was like, no thanks. I would imagine. If I was in this movie and I had a PR, Disney publicist breathing down my neck, I'd be like, wait and see. You never know where Jennifer is going to appear next is sort of what I would have
1: said. Yeah, I mean, that being said, I don't think what she said is very egregious. Like, it's just a fact like the the show cost a lot of money. And when you look at the ROI probably generated, they're like, you know what? We can get a bigger bang for our buck somewhere else. And if people like the character and she makes sense, we can slot her in a movie that has a big budget and, you know, for animating a ton of Hulks might as well throw them on one more into the mix.
0: I agree with you. 100%. I agree with you. All right, let's finish out this article. Apparently it costs a lot of money to bring a giant green rage monster superhero to life for nine episodes when they're the star of the show. Mm, mm, This is true. Um, Who would have thought maybe her boss at the law firm shouldn't have insisted. She appear as she Hulk at the office question mark. While the detractors of the show will almost certainly claim the budget has nothing to do with a potential renewal or cancellation, this certainly sounds like a classic case of Occam's Razor. Marvel Studios isn't a money-printing enterprise anymore. Disney is definitely looking at the costs of all its projects, including the MCU. We're still positive Maslany will be back in the MCU in other ways, whether it's in the MCU films or Disney Plus shows. Jen Walters is a major Marvel Comics figure and her big green story I'm sorry, Like her big green story her big screen story is just getting started.
1: I think like they say it's Occam's Razor, like the simplest answer is the answer it just costs, like if you look at how much it must cost to make this mm. versus Daredevil you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm gonna, I would guess that the new Daredevil movie, uh, show is gonna be more popular
0: Yeah, yeah agreed, agreed Um, Yeah, I mean, listen, it it was like what did this didn't mention it here? I think I saw somewhere that it was 225 million dollars to make this series 225 million dollars. That is a lot of money. And then a platform like Disney plus when you're dropping that much money, your return on investment is getting new subs or that this is going to be an evergreen unintended content that people are just going to revisit and become kind of like a cult classic whether whether someone likes she hulk or not i i think it's not going to become a cult classic i think it's you know highly divisive amongst amongst stands. i i love she hulk i love jen walters i think tatiana is perfect casting i i know there's a lot about the messaging of the show that you know upset a lot of people i personally am always down with that message of empowerment however i just think the quality of writing especially when it pertained to character development the legal aspects of the show i thought it was garbage i thought it was so half-baked i thought it was lazy writing
1: i think you get so caught up though on things like in the real world that's not how a law firm would work and then you're like in a real world they spring i can't throw lasers out of my eyes so you know what i mean i think those things we can't
0: No, but like if someone is coming into you and being like, oh, at a magic show, I opened up a portal to hell and you're going to take it to a courtroom, you're going to want to use some real world elements there, such as anyone who would open up a portal to hell in their magic show would make the audience members sign waivers. You have to sign a fucking waiver to go to sleep no more in New York. And that is just an immersive experience with actors pretending to be like monsters Fair, but
1: can you argue that maybe he didn't actually think he was opening a portal to hell, and it, he thought it was all a, a yeah?
0: Because what's her name? Um, oh my god, what's her name? She, I, wait, wait, what's her name? The the drunken girl. Oh, it's um, Madison. 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 Wait, Madison, because she kept doing the show even after Madison went through the portal in hell. And, okay, so I guess- and and they were drawing real world parallels with like news sites and stuff like that. So it's like, if you told me this was just a fantastical world, then I would be like, fine. Like, but like there's certain elements that have to be incorporated in order to make scenes work. And by the way, make it at least smart is all. That's the only thing I'm trying to say with the legal stuff
1: there. But I think like. I think that's a very harsh criticism of like if that if that's what you're picking on. Do you know what I mean? I think at that point it's it's not so bad, right? If that if that's the the nitpickiness that we're getting at. Um, no, that is just one example of many I have. I guess I I quite like that. I I think we'll we'll agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> no, we're not going to agree to disagree.
0: He I'm standing my ground until I'm like, yeah, <laughs> telling- they
1: should have had signed legal waivers.
0: <laughs> among other things. No, I mean that's just my, my thing is lazy writing overall for, for the series. But again, I think Tatiana was perfectly cast. And in fairness, I have gone I, I've always held the John Byrne She-Hulk run, which is sort of like the iconic one um w- among most like Marvel comics readers. You go back and read it, I think it's also not very well done. I think the Charles Soule She-Hulk that we get, you know, within the last few years, I mean, at this point, maybe like six years, is actually a very smart, provocative, you know, story of Jen being an attorney in the superhero world. I think that's fun. I think that's really riveting. But historically, in fairness to the show, even the John Byrne run that everyone loves, it's not particularly awesome, but it is fun. It is fun.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where you have to look at the tone of it versus other projects, right? Like if you said Winter Soldier, you know, I think it was worse if they made mistakes like that in a in a movie or show that had that kind of more serious tone. Whereas for me, She-Hulk was very camp. It was very tug-in-cheek. She broke the fourth wall. So once you establish that, for me, like having kind of those mistakes are less, they're less bad because the whole thing's a little bit silly anyways. And that's what you're watching it for. So I mean, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so different to pretty much every other Marvel thing. Um, So you know, when I didn't did it come out all in one shot, or did it come out like weekly? It came out weekly. It came out weekly. Okay, so I watched it. I think when it was fully out, and I kind of just binged it. Um, and I like I really enjoyed it. So
0: there, I'm
1: not gagging for season two. (laughs) I I really thought it was fun to watch.
0: There were some moments that like when I initially watched it, I kind of like rolled my eyes on. I think I've told you this, like like the bridesmaid scene where she kind of comes in and all the bridesmaids throw everything on her. And I'm like, why would they do that? That doesn't like that would never happen in real life. And I went to my friend's wedding later that year and literally I walked in and the bridesmaids all threw stuff on me. And I was like, well, fuck you. And I was like, oh, Jen, I'm channeling you here. So and then you then you hulked out and smashed up her wedding. Oh my gosh! You know when they were like, "Does anyone object?" I was like, "I do." <laughs> I have a few things to say. No, of course not. I'm kidding. All right. Well, here are some comments. Let's let's dive into some of these comments really quickly because I think some of these comments are fair. I I know you're on one end. I'm on the other. But I'm glancing at these comments and I think to myself, okay, these are not terrible comments. Um, Jay wrote. I took the show for what it was and quite enjoyed the wackiness of it.
1: And there you go. It is a a
0: wise man. Listen, if I could have done edibles and just watched the show, I would have been a happier person. Ronan says she's awesome. And I agree. I think Tatiana is perfect, perfect, perfect casting. She's awesome. But like Andrew Garfield in a horrible Spider-Man film, it's not the actor's fault. The show was a disaster. My kids and I watched every Marvel show, and they were into it, uh, into this until it started falling apart, and then the ending was completely off the rails. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. Like,
1: so, so for me, the, here's the issue: it's it's a bit of a Marmite ending because yeah, I I quite laughed at the ending, yeah. But then equally, you go, but this can't then fit in the Marvel continuity of the wider MCU, right? Yeah, like. They don't. They don't mesh together. So you kind of almost have to go like, if she appears in some another project, like let's say Captain America four, I hope then so. you just have to go like, you know, none of that stuff happened.
0: Yeah. So we go movie facts. Wait, Ooh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry, sorry. Movie facts. Hang on. Movie yeah, facts was- said, I tried with this show. I really did, but I just couldn't make it to the end of episode one. It was just too painful to watch. I- I don't agree with that it, i actually think episode one was pretty was pretty okay i i had no qualms with episode one in retrospect no i like i yeah you know yeah i knows? think that i know. think the comments are getting a little meaner once i hit yeah. show more they're getting a little bit meaner but i feel like those first first two comments are pretty good like i think they represent sort of a middle of the ground thing which is like i just enjoyed the show it was wacky and i agree with what you said though like In the context of larger MCU, of course, it's going to start being flimsy, but I think enjoying the show for what it was. I think that is a very fair comment. Very fair. Do
1: you know what it kind of felt like? It felt like watching, like,
0: um, I don't know, like an Ally McBeal or a Sex in
1: the City. No, no,
0: no, no. Because Sex and the City and Ally McBeal are actually very well written. And that was the entire point. of it which was if you would have done the stuck the landing with that quality of writing then i would be like give us sex in the city but the mcu like just like how marvel divas did the comic book marvel divas i would have loved it and that's what i was expecting here it it just like the writing was just very two-dimensional it was just lazy writing
1: but i think if you put it in a
0: wheelhouse
1: I think like that is kind of the vibe it was giving, like an <laughs> oh. MCU crossover to that genre. Now, was it as good as those shows? No, I'm not saying they were, but I'm saying like it kind of evoked the same emotion. And for some, you know, in the MCU, that was really different, and and I really enjoyed it.
0: What did you think of the CG?
1: Um, I mean, I didn't think it was terrible. I think that I think Scar at the end looked really ropey. Like his hairline was really screwed up. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to tell you something like I'm that person that like doesn't notice like the bad animation. I don't notice when like bad audio. I have a really easy palette to to please for these types of things.
0: Excluding all others. I
1: guess it's my it's my it's my golden retrieverness. That I'm just like, yeah, it's great. It's fine.
0: Like, I didn't I didn't me. think it was bad. I didn't think it was 225 million dollars good, but I didn't think it was bad. She looked great. I like the character design quite a bit. Again, I think Tatiana pulled it off. I know there there are moments that people laugh at the CG, especially when she was working and stuff like that. Stuff like that did not bother me. I I, I was okay with the the humor. I was okay with the CG. I thought it looked good. And again, I I love She-Hulk quite a bit as a character. I was expecting more. But, you know, let's see what her future is. I will say, though, like, who was it there at marvel studios i i think this is a larger problem with hollywood as an industry where it's like why are you going to approve a show that's 225 million dollars for a platform that's only a couple years old you know what i mean yeah. like that that's sort of where i don't understand like disney plus is a very successful very you know you know very well watched platform but it's still just starting off and 225 million like of course, it wasn't going to make sense financially. You know what I so mean?
1: I've got two comments on that. Yes. So one,
0: yeah. go back to her comment, which was,
1: um, we went over budget. So it could yeah. be one of those things where it's like, you have a set thing, like a set budget, you get into it, things cost more, you've got that sunk cost fallacy where you go, well, we've already shoved 100 million and we might as well finish it for another 150. Um, so it could be a bit of that. Uh-huh. Other thing Going then to your point, like if they did have a view of like the budget, and let's take let's take the assumption that they knew it was gonna cost $250, 250. It is a bit mind-boggling because you go, a lot of these properties, I guess to 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 make the money back, you've got to sell the peripheral items that go along with that IP, right? Like the toys. Oh, I agree. The comics, the this, the that, the t-shirts, the now, I'm gonna argue that I I don't think. She's a very marketable character
0: compared to <gasps> some of the other ones. Really? Well, was there a lot of was there tons of? Okay. No, there wasn't. I but I but I think She-Hulk as an IP is marketable, but I don't think the Disney Plus show has been marketable. Yes. Like the way,
1: the, like in the genre they made her, I will yeah. call it a much more adult.
0: Yes, agree. I know you're
1: gonna I know you're gonna roast me for it, but like sex. We'll call it like Sex in the City by <laughs> Marvel thing. She's in like a law outfit. It doesn't no. scream action figure to have a She-Hulk in a beige power suit. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. and, and nobody's going to want that on a t-shirt. Um, you know, so I, I go, you look at that, that kind of revenue stream that you need to generate from all those other things. I don't think that this is the right show yeah. and, and portrayal of her to do that. And then you go like, how are you going to break even on that massive investment?
0: I agree, because the the beauty of these $225 million budgets is the art of appealing to a wider audience, not only just with your male-female demographics, which was the source of a lot of contention here, but I will also say with your age. You want to have younger audiences who are four or five, as they look at Black Panther, as they look at Captain America, as they look at Black Widow, you want them to look at that with the same eyes with She-Hulk. And it's not a very accessible show for... Kids. Yeah, As, exactly. Right. Like it, it let, let, let's stick with your very offensive comparison to Sex in the City. You're not going to show Sex in the City to a five-year-old or six-year-old. They're not going to get it, no matter how fabulous Carrie's outfits yeah. are. No, it's just not going to happen. So I agree with you. I I, th- I do think we got a Marvel Legends She Hulk. I'm I'm forgetting if we did or didn't, but you just it, proved my point. But 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 here's yeah, A, yes, because I can't remember. I'm pretty sure we did, but B, it's for adults for adults there is no like you know she hulk based off of the show so i agree with you i think why would you green light let's say they went over budget let's say 190 million dollar show which i'm sure was much less if they went over but let's just say you you green light this you're going to want to make sure that this is appealing to a lot of people no just just my 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 two cents on that as well like i agree with you on it
1: it's just like you know what's funny is like there there must be an army of analysts and business advisors and you know strategists that sit at Marvel to make these huge decisions and I don't know you you just go like gut feel doesn't it wouldn't you just know right like and I, I say that at work all the time I'm like you know before you get into like the micro detail of everything like just take some common sense right at the top before I you agree anything through the funnel like does it does it
0: resonate with you or are you like it just smells funny you know well, but that's a, I agree with you because like we're not playing Monday morning quarterback here, right? We are here like, oh Disney is dropping 225 million dollars on the show. They're gonna make it good. They're gonna make it accessible to everyone. I mean, of course we live in a world where there's a lot of unfair hate and a lot of angry you know comments that come in that's fine. but I think when you look at something you're like, okay well, they they tried their best to appeal to everything. I agree. why would you greenlight a show like this? And then when it gets its reaction like that, you're just like, wow, I mean, yes, no duh. You should have done something a little bit more welcoming for everyone. I don't know. I mean, well, we can... no, I
1: would say like, it, for me, it depends. Like if the budget was reasonable and maybe they they wrote the script where they didn't have to animate her as much mm-hmm. and you go, you know what? For like if it was, I don't know, half the cost or whatever. I don't know what they would have needed to make their money back. But um, or like the margins on streaming look like. But Same. Um, I don't know. You know, I I would greenlight it if it was in a reasonable budget. But when you go like, oh, it's going to be super expensive compared to a lot of the other shows you make. Yeah. You go like, it's not going to be as popular as a Daredevil. I bet, and I bet you Daredevil costs a quarter of the amount to make it because it's very you know, yeah, based in you don't really need a lot of fantastical powers. It's very street. It's very you know you could just do it with costumes, um, and that like that's the smell test, right? Like Daredevil's going to do better. It's probably going to be a lot cheaper. Focus on that.
0: All right. Well, speaking of Daredevil, we got some news about Daredevil this week as well and concerning the Netflix shows, which I am so happy for. Daredevil Born Again Blowing Up is what made all the Netflix shows MCU canon. And this is an article on Forbes where we're talking about how that now it looks like the Netflix shows that were not considered in canon before are now going to be canon canon in the MCU and we have Karen and Foggy rumored to be returning
1: I mean it makes sense and yeah. I never got why they wouldn't like I can get maybe from a legal perspective if there was issues kind of in the back end that they didn't want to give other people money if they had it was rights. So I can kind of get that but like from a purely story point of view um There was no reason why it shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, so the actor who plays the kingpin says that um, all the creatives got together and said, look, this is how we've got to do it now. It brings in a lot of cool stories and a lot of collateral stories that happen in those original three seasons. I'm excited for this, I have to tell you, because I thought the Netflix heroes were some of my favorite storytelling. Sorry, the Netflix what? Heroes. Oh, what I,
1: I heard you say zeros and I was like
0: are you, are you... <laughs> the Netflix zeros. The Netflix heroes for me are some of the best like MCU storytelling. And I like Defenders. See, I listen, I can acknowledge Defenders didn't land with everyone, but I can say I enjoyed it and I thought it was fun. And I love I love Daredevil i love jessica jones kristen ritter as jessica jones my god i have to tell you if i was a casting director and i have no i have zero experience being a casting director i would have passed on her and i would have been like no we need someone like eliza dunsch who's you know faith from buffy and let me tell you something kristen ritter i can never picture anyone else in that role she nailed it
1: would you have passed on her after bitch in apartment 23
0: um, that was a series with her and James Vanderbeek, right? And yes. James Vanderbeek plays a fictional version of himself. I'd have to, I'd have to rewatch it. Where you know where I really knew Kristen Ritter from was like the backdoor pilot in Gossip Girl, where she played a young um, Serena's aunt. I am forgetting the character's name. I think her name was Carol, but that's where I remember Kristen Ritter quite a bit.
1: Oh my God, go like do yourself a favor yeah. and go re-watch Bitch in Apartment 23. It's one of the funniest sitcoms that I can remember. And it I think it only lasted like one season, maybe two. Yeah. Um it was it was just
0: so funny. It's, I mean, she's such an incredibly talented actress. We went to see at oh my God, I'm forgetting what where we where we saw her in the city a couple years ago when season two of Jessica Jones, they had like kind of like a private panel Um, and we went we saw her and the entire cast was there and Kristen Ritter came on stage and she was here like you know because I'm Kristen I'm loud and I'm funny and I talk from here and then when I'm Jessica I sink down and it comes from my stomach and the way she could go on and off as Jessica and herself I was like give this woman an Emmy give her an Emmy she is so incredibly talented but you wonder too like how many actors and actresses that get their start like
1: take Ryan Reynolds right do you remember mm-hmm. him? I mean, kids, mm-hmm. if you're too young, you're not going to remember this. Ben but- Wilder. Well, no, no, no. Let's go even earlier. Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. Oh my God, yes. You know, and you you look at that show, which was like objectively a very run-of-the-mill um, sitcom way back, and you look at any of those three main characters and you're like, these people won't have careers. And now Ryan Reynolds is one of the most famous men in Hollywood. So, like, So my point, sorry, that was a very like, Long winded, squiggly way of getting to you know, sometimes you get a break, your acting debut, and something that's kind of a bit silly, you might get typecast, but actually, you could be a really fantastic actor, actress. Um, and and people just never know because you're just like, oh, they did that really stupid role, and that's the kind of you know, thespian they
0: are. I agree. And one of the things about the MCU that I think we've all kind of enjoyed is that we're hiring, I'm like, we they are hiring people. Who are quality actors who can bring something to the table. I mean, ScarJo, for example, very celebrated actress going into Black Widow and to Iron Man 2. So I love that we have people like Charlie Cox and Kristen Ritter. It, it it makes me really happy. One of the things that I am a little irked of, Sean, I have to tell you, is that what, there has
1: good grinds your gears, dude. I'm
0: friends. gonna tell I'm gonna tell you what what I'm kind of upset about. For years we wa- I watched these shows as they came out. I watched every single season that we got from a Netflix hero, from the last season of Punisher to the first season of Daredevil. So I, I did the whole I did the whole spectrum. We were dying to just get a morsel of easter eggs to the larger Marvel universe. And we got mentions of, you know, what did they call it? The attack, the New York attack, the battle for New York or something like that. The incident, forgetting what they called it in Daredevil. Um but we never really saw them fit into a larger piece of the MCU story, right? We would have loved to have seen them in Endgame when those portals open and everyone's kind of coming out. And that was because there was a lot of behind the scenes strife between Kevin Feige and Jeff Lowe. And when Disney plus started off, we were, and and we, the rights reverted back to Disney for daredevil and Elektra and everyone, we were kind of like told like, Oh, those shows didn't count, you know, we're starting something new and now they count again and i'm like great i'm glad you finally after like 10 years decided these shows are in canon and now we can start fitting them into a larger universe but i would have loved for the defenders for luke cage you know to to be part of a larger mcu narrative already especially since we had infinity war and endgame i would have loved to have seen some of these heroes dusted, you know, snapped away by Thanos. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. In an ideal world,
1: that would have been the best way to do it. But I'll take that glass half full slide and say it is better late than never, right? So, I mean, you can make the I audience love you so some much. of those.
0: <laughs> yes, I love you so much. You're such a golden retriever. I'm always in a better... I feel like now I'm like this angry old man talking and you're just like, no, it's fine. The glass is half full. They're, they're in canon now. You're such a good person. We have to be yin and yang. We need the balance <laughs> of energies. But like, you know, I and going
1: back to that, like they, I think something that I kind of like about it being separate is that mm-hmm. You don't need every Marvel show and every Marvel movie connecting to something. Sure. And, the, and and a lot of the Netflix ones are very street-level superheroes, right? So, you know, they're solving, you know, mafia things with the kingpin or, like, you know, organized crime, things that are much more um, relatable to the real world. Let's be honest, if Jessica Jones came up against Thanos, he's going to smash her. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, it's not even going to take a second. So... Uh, like it's fine for me that they kept them separate um that being said i'm super excited that now they'll be integrated and you can have the opportunity of having them in crossovers where it makes sense and i think that's like going back to my earlier point it's really exciting to have like just little things whether they be mini series or whatever where they introduce different characters because then you know that they're they're in the mcu and they might show up one day in in another um movie or show or whatever
0: Can I ask you, who is your favorite Netflix hero out of all the characters we got in in sort of that corner of the MCU? Oh, Daredevil. Daredevil, Charlie Cox. Yeah. Yeah. Have we told you the story of, what was it like, I guess, two New York Comic Cons ago? The one where we didn't meet. We 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 threw a party with some of the other X-Men podcasters at the Dream Hotel and we were at the bar and the save Daredevil people kind of shoot us away from the bar and they were like, We reserved the space. And I'm like, Okay, that's fine. We're actually over there. I'm just gonna get a drink. And they just stared and looked at me until like we got away. And I was like, do not come between a podcaster and his vodka. Please. Let oh, me just my get God. my vodka. We won't come by here anymore. But it's like the I... X-Men stands West Side story against the Daredevil stands. Is that what it was? <laughs> I love I mean Charlie Cox I loved him speaking of She-Hulk I loved him in She-Hulk I loved that 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 scene where he was doing the walk of shame I thought that was a very fun scene I think the chemistry that Charlie and Tatiana had was really was really great so I'm happy to see that this is part of a larger narrative echo did you see echo yet I haven't Okay I haven't. echo echo fits right into regardless of how people feel about echo the tone and like the the cinematography sort of fits into this Netflix hero vibe. And I'm I'm happy for it.
1: The trailer looks fantastic. I I want to be very clear. I haven't watched it, not because of disinterest in it. I haven't watched it just because I've just been busy and haven't been able to sit down and dedicate the time to do it. And I'll probably end up binging it like I did She-Hulk. It's Um, not that
0: I don't like you.
1: It's just I don't have time for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I guess maybe is saying something because I guess if there was like, I don't know a show about Bullseye. I'd probably watch oh yeah, it right that's away.
0: it. You would be like calling me at like four in the morning, and being like, "Bitch, we need to record reactions to it." No, it's not. I I get you. I mean, at this this isn't like when the Netflix shows were coming out; they were events, and that's something that we've talked about and and marvel has talked about that something that sort of made it special the secret sauce is that when a marvel movie came out when one of the netflix shows came out it was like an event right when wandavision came out we all stopped and we watched it now it's like okay i can get to that because all the episodes are out now so i'll just get to it when i can get to it but
1: and there's no like back when you know wandavision came out it felt like so many people were talking about it that if you didn't watch it right away there were going to be spoilers. Yeah, I agree. you know, I haven't seen an episode of Echo, and I haven't really seen a lot of discourse in um, the social media, let's say, that I follow that oh. has ruined anything for me. So, um, yeah, I think, but I think that's just endemic of, like, the fact that they've released so much stuff so quickly recently, and then some of the stuff has been, you know, some pretty big misses that the momentum's slowed down. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure with Deadpool and everything coming up, we're meant, then we'll swing back around and um, we'll be here in 2026,
0: 2025, going,
1: Oh my God, like I can't wait for the Silver Surfer Soda to
0: come out. Oh my God, 2026, I'm going to be 42. I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to continue going forward in time. <laughs> so just stop. Uh, stop aging. Stop aging. I would be excited to see trish walker return i love patsy walker in the comics i love hellcat i think trish was phenomenal in the netflix shows i love her theme song do you remember it's patsy i really want to be your friend it's patsy i hope this day never ends because she was like a disney teen star who grows up to be a radio host i loved it so much
1: my hope is unsurprisingly that they get a bullseye in the show with like a comic accurate or close to costume let's see
0: okay next up and our final news item is resurrection of magneto 4 the solicitation dropped it's a beautiful cover look at that cover right there gorgeous gorgeous cover and um The solicitation copy says return of the king. The master of magnetism has returned to the world dot dot dot. But it's not the world he left. Audible gasp. Nor is Magneto the same man who left it. Has death changed him for the better or for the worse? And when he sees what Orcus has done to mutant pine, will it change him again? So. I'm so frustrated that we have to have four issues of a book called Resurrection of Magneto when Magneto has not even been dead for a full two years. He died literally a year and a half ago. Here we are. He's back to life. And I don't need to rant about it anymore other than like the Krakoan age was supposed to st- stop stories of death and rebirth because they had just become trite. I expected more from Al Ewing. That is fine. I think Al Ewing is a really good writer. I just I, I've been diving into Immortal Hulk. And I think it's such a well-written series. I'm curious what is editorial direction, blah, blah, blah. But this cover got me excited. I can get behind this cover, and I want to see what, what they're going to do with Magneto.
1: So do you, do you have any um, hypothesis of what's going no, to Hypotheses? No.
0: None. None whatsoever. to so a little
1: bit. I okay. think it's
0: ridiculous.
1: I'm going to give you a guess. Right? Okay. I think that the... And this is all just speculation, obviously. Um, that the higher-ups are going, you know what, like, Krakoa was really out in left field. It's a little wacky. Um, it's not landing. Let's bring things back to basics. You know, X-Men is mm-hmm. coming out. It's very classic 90s outfit in the mansion. Mm-hmm. So they're going to resurrect Magneto. He's going to see what Orcas did. He's going to be super pissed off. And go back to, like, you know what? Um, Humans can't be trusted. I was right all along. And they're going to swing him back to being a villain. Okay.
0: I can't disagree with that. I really can't. Bring him back to basics, right? I agree. No, I listen 100. That's it. Thank you for joining us today on Power of X Men. (laughs) That's it. I I agree with you because Magneto, we know the X Men are getting their reboot. They're going to go back to basics. What is The X-Men in the mansion, what is one of the most fundamental basics in this narrative and this conflict is Magneto and the Brotherhood and an opposing ideology. And I agree with you. By the way, if I was Magneto in story, and Al Ewing is a very great writer, he's a very capable writer. So if I'm thinking of Magneto as a character, I did Genosha. I did Utopia. I did Krakoa. And those projects fail time and time again. And humans will always come after us. They will always try to murder us. They will anytime we congregate, they will slaughter us. And coupled with the fact that he's a survivor of the Holocaust, yeah. Magneto's gonna be pretty fucking pissed off. So
1: do they ever explain is it because he's like the resurrection protocol from Kako to explain his age?
0: They've been murky about it, but I mean he's been de-aged in the comic books. Yeah, Yeah, he's been DH'd in the comic books, you know, prior to um, Prakoa. I think, I'm trying to remember if someone said something like your dad looks so youthful and happy in one of those issues, early issues. I think it's implied that, yeah, you know, you you can resurrect your body at any stage in your life. I would assume he did die. We do have confirmation that he did die in Inferno and was resurrected in Inferno, Jonathan Hickman's Inferno. So we can assume, yes, he's... been de-aged because that's like a
1: huge kind of time like funny thing where you go "Mm, he was there at world war ii but he's still kind of hunky and young i mean hunky zaddy. (laughs) yeah yeah he's a total zaddy, isn't he
0: yeah i mean you know for something like that i'm always fine with them just saying he jumped into some kind of time bubble or suspending <laughs> animation. You don't have to give me too much. A, with wizard this. a wizard No, I was listening to our episode with Drugalus. The Shi'ar did it. That's it. Just the yeah. Shi'ar. Just blame the Shi'ar and that's it. It doesn't need something that's an elaborate explanation because I think one of the fundamental cores of Magneto is that he's a Holocaust survivor. Obviously, as time goes on, this becomes less likely because of the time gap between the comics published today and World War II, but I think this character, I'm happy to see him back. I'm glad he's back. I don't think they should have ever killed him off in the first place. I think that is lazy writing. Let's see what Al Ewing does with him. I trust Al Ewing. I don't want to pay for four issues of a comic that's going to be like 5.99. I'm just like, come on. Like, so I'm hoping the first issue will be good.
1: Yeah, I think like I kind of disagree with you. I I could see how you can you could squeeze four issues out of it, right? It's like, coming no. back.
0: what no. happened? No, just one issue. You get one issue. That's it. Super size, fifty pages.
1: Okay, fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even read four issues of a Jean Gray miniseries. The G- Louise Simonson writing Gene Gray for four issues, it was like you could have done this in one super you size, double size issue. Of course I I, did. I listened
1: to every one of your little recaps about it, ranting about how bad it was.
0: I know. There is a common denominator that I'm not happy with the current X-Books, but I'm trying to, to be happy. And I'm being optimistic. I think Al Ewing, I'm telling you, Immortal, Immortal Hulk, the series he did back in 2018, is so good. It is one of these things that, like I told Jeff, I just want to lay in bed and read this. And I haven't done that in in a while. Like, I believe uh, Sunshine State, this nonfiction essay collection by Sarah Gerard, was the last time I was like, I'm going to lay in bed and just read this cover to cover. I'm not going to get out of bed until I'm done reading it. And Immortal Hulk makes me feel that way.
1: Do you know what I love? Sorry, going back to the solicitation, now that you've got it back on the screen. <laughs> it is like the most lazy writing, just in terms of like is it this or is it that he could be good he could be bad it's, it's so big you know this is definitely an intern that's like oh fuck that was due like at 5pm today and it's 3.30 and I want to go to the gym early so I'm going to get this out
0: He goes. by the way that was me in 2006 I had to write solicitation copy I, I understand how they do some of the stuff where they form it out to interns from various departments and they all kind of contribute to the newsletters and stuff like that Um, I listen we have criticized the marketing copy here. I will say this is really vague. This obviously doesn't give anything, but it's a beautiful cover. It's Stefano Caselli who's doing the cover. I think it looks beautiful, so I'm excited for it. I'm I want Magneto back with the X, but one of the things with Krakoa. I hope once everything is said and done and, we, and we're and we reset, rebooted, I want every character that has been brought back in the Krakoan age to stay alive. It, do Get that Wanda Cloud and just make every mutant that's ever lived alive and that's it. Start anew.
1: Do you know what would be so interesting, actually, is if now after this, you have, like, going back to that original, you know, Xavier's dream versus Magneto's dream. And you just split up like X Men, old Brotherhood people, like whoever, and they go one side to the other, and then just play into that as a storyline of like you know they don't see eye to eye on things, you know, brothers and sisters turned against each other based on their you know the moral dilemma that they face, um, and then to culminate that into an event in like a year's time. Yeah, I agree. Versus Brotherhood, a Marvel event.
0: I agree. I would, I would get back into that. I think there there's a beauty in telling simpler, lower stakes stories. Like yeah. I don't want to say lower stakes because you can have high stakes between characters that are deeply personal, and I'm okay with that. Not everything needs to be everyone dies on the planet, blah blah blah. Characters are dead. I it just I don't know. I I I agree with you with what you said earlier on in this episode, which is like maybe Marvel has hopefully a team of analysts who sees these things. And I, I trust the reason why they do things like that is because they see a sales bump. But at a certain point, you're like, it's okay to tell good, well-written stories that are not dealing with the end of the world. It's just a brotherhood versus the X-Men. So let's see. Well,
1: hopefully it's going to be good.
0: Okay. Well, that's the news today. Amelia, let us know your feels. Are you sad that She Hulk isn't coming for season two? Are you team Latverian Lad or team Day Spring? Did you like it or not? Uh, we, we have Daredevil and, and the Netflix Heroes finally in continuity. Is that something that excites you? And are you excited to see Magneto return to the land of the living? Hopefully, it's Magneto, not Zorn. They're not going to say it was Zorn who died during X Men Raw. Well,
1: then it would be called Resurrection of Zorn Day
0: Spring. I, I can't. Do, do not make me go on a Zorn rant. I can't. I cannot do a Zorn rant. Zorn and Joseph. Those are things I could talk about for days. I mean, I'm gonna.
1: Call, I'm gonna end the call now to save all of you.
0: Live airing live. Working folks at home, hit you up. Just on Instagram at Lab Nice and simple. Yes, and we're at Power of X Men, and that's it. Slide into our DMs